Now, we uh, left off at the fourth beatitude, but, you know, of course, I want to get us back up to speed, and I want to do a quick little recap. The first beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I wonder if anybody remembers the word that I wanted us to think about when we read this. Um, to be poor in spirit, to be poor in spirit is to be morally bankrupt. We have to be bankrupt, realizing that we have nothing to offer God, nothing at all. This is, this is so important that, that we can't do anything and we can't go anywhere without him. That word poor in the Greek is like a beggar, destitute, absolutely desperate, in dire need, cowering before a holy God. And it makes me think of like a, a polite dog when you're eating dinner and, and walks up to the dinner table and, and wants some table scraps. They look at you and they look up at you and, 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 they're, and they're cowering and they're looking up with their eyes looking up. That's how we are to come to God. Humble on our knees. Lord, I have nothing to give you but my life. Amen. Not with our chest out, not swagger, there, there, there's, but understanding that, that there, it's, it's him that we need. He doesn't need us, but we need him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And all we have to offer him is our lives. And then there's, there's blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And if you remember this morning that Jesus is talking about here, it isn't the morning that we would usually think about when we hear that word. But the word mourn here is pertaining to our and other sins. It is our acknowledgement of the state and condition that we are in. Now, the word that I wanted us to think of when we read this beatitude is broken. You can feel bad about something, but keep doing it. But when you are truly broken over it, when you're broken, you will hate it and do everything you can to never let it happen again. A true believer is at war with their sin. To be broken over our sin and repentant is to hate our sin because we love the Savior. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. Mm, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. To be broken over our sin and repentant is to hate our sin because we love the Savior. Mm, glory to God. I said we got to hate our sin because we love the Savior. Mm, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I believe 100% that the lack of mourning our sins is a huge part of why the American church as a whole is in the condition that it's in. Lack of reverence for the Lord, lack of remorse for our behavior that leads unto repentance. Soft preachers playing games behind the pulpit, trying to tickle our ears instead of developing disciples. Worried about likes on social media and filling chairs and offering plates within the congregation. Mm, toxic. The next beatitude is blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
and meekness is controlled strength. It's not self-willed, not concerned with our own desires. Meekness essentially is submitting to the hand of God. It's doing what doesn't make sense, but in obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You might go the extra mile for someone or give them your last dollar because you're meek and submitting to the will of God. The word that I wanted us to think of for meek is yielding. So altogether, so far, we have coming to the Lord bankrupt with nothing to offer, absolutely broken over our sin, yielding to the hand of God in obedience, which brings us to the fourth beatitude, verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I said, they shall be filled. They shall be filled. They shall be filled. Oh, get that in your spirit tonight. Oh, I feel that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. With a cup running over. Glory to God. I said, they shall be filled. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this word. Did you come thirsty tonight? Did you come hungry tonight did you come needing more starving your spirit stirred and your belly rumbling your heart on fire but in need of some more firewood glory to god jesus 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 mm. check this out think of your heart as a garden a garden of fresh soil being poor in spirit being poor in spirit, it plants a seed in that garden. Your heart, then spiritual morning, waters that seed. Oh, in the watering process, you start becoming meek and submitting to God, which then makes that seed produce fruit. The fruit that is produced is where you get the hunger and the thirst for righteousness. Glory to God. Charles Spurgeon says to hunger after righteousness is the sin of spiritual life. Nobody who has spiritually dead ever did this. Nobody who was spiritually dead ever did this. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you are spiritually alive. He also said, when the spirit of God has changed our nature, that new nature, hunger and thirsts after righteousness, the old nature never did, it never could, and it never would do so. Mm, that's so good. That is so good. The flesh never wants anything to do with God. Never. <laughs> oh, that, that, but see, if you're desiring righteousness, if, if you're, if you have this desire in you, then you are spiritually alive and thriving. <sighs> Galatians 5, 17 says for for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish to hunger and thirst for righteousness is probably the most vital out of all the beatitudes see when you arrive here this is where you truly desire to live for god sacrificing your life, your wants, your ambition, 
your will, your dreams, laying it all down to live out the rest of your life for God, desiring a life of consecration, a life of holy living, a life lived righteously for God. When we think of this beatitude, I want us to think of the word yearn. Yearn means to have an intense longing for and desire for something. What are we yearning for? We are to yearn to be hungry and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness, not what you do, but what Christ did. It was never what we did, but it was Christ's finished work on the cross, which has made us right in the sight of God. Because when God looks upon us, he sees us through the lens of his son and his sacrifice that he made on the cross for you and me. He did that for us. Uh, a few verses to go along with this. 1 Corinthians 1, 30. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. Second Corinthians 521 for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And that word righteousness is a person and that person is Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us. We hide behind the cross. We depend solely on Jesus and his finished work at the cross. Hallelujah. We read this beatitude saying, happy is the person Happy is a person, blessed is a person who yearns for righteousness, hungers for righteousness. Notice it doesn't say who snacks on righteousness for those who desire a nibble or a bite of righteousness. No, 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 no. See, a, a great example of this is, is David in, in Psalm 42, 1 through 2, which reads, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? David is longing for God. He is yearning for God. We need to always be hungry for more of God. Never getting enough see if we don't eat or drink what happens we die we die right well the same thing with jesus jesus isn't a luxury jesus is a necessity and we need jesus every single second of every minute of every day every single day of our lives we cannot go without jesus this is hungering Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You know, Jesus isn't something that we want, but he is what we need in order to live. We can't live without him. And really, that's what this beatitude is saying, because how do we obtain righteousness? 
How, how, how do we obtain righteousness? There's, there's only one way and he is the only way, the only truth and the only way to live this life because he is life. Jesus is life. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Man, you know, I would say that most of us at this point have probably, uh, have probably f fed a baby at some point, you know, and I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. I know it's a funny thing to bring up, but it made me think of this because out of all three of my kids, Gavin, this boy loved to eat, man. I mean, he loved to eat. It was, it was, it was amusing. Like it was pretty funny because he was always hungry. And actually, um, me and his, uh, me and his mother, we, you know, we were both working and we had my mom would watch him. And while we worked and he, he got so big that I, I, I used to call him the Stay Puff Marshmallow, you know, or the, or the Michelin. I used to call him the Michelin mascot. He used to call him these names because he was so plump. He was so big. <laughs> oh, man, it was so funny. And then I'll go home. And I remember I remember talking to my mom about it. I know my mom's watching. I love you, mom. I, and I would ask her, I would say, I'd say, how, how did he how did he get so big like what happened and she said well he was hungry so i'd feed him till he was full man <laughs> man he got big all right for a little tiny baby this boy was big okay now now, I, you know, I remember feeding him and I remember him sitting in the high chair and I remember, I remember holding a spoon up of food and he would be <sighs> like, like in desperation and dire need. Like, like if, if he didn't get that spoon in his mouth, he was going to die of starvation right then and there. And, and, that, and that's what that made me think of because the desperation in his eyes, he was, oh, oh, give me, give me that. Like, like he's going to die. And he, he's like, what are you, what are you doing, man? Like, come on, man. You're, you're good. It's going to be okay. I mean, I'd be sitting there trying to open up the, the little can. I mean, and he would, he would be freaking out. Okay. He'd be like, oh, I mean, and, but, but see, that's how we should be for Jesus. <laughs> that's how we should be for Jesus. Desperate, always in a, always in a state of spiritual starvation for Jesus. Another good scripture is Psalm, Psalm 63, one. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Psalm, Psalm 143 verse 6. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. So let me ask you a question tonight. What do you crave? What do you crave? What do you long for? Is there something that you crave? Is there something that may be stealing your time away from God? And if there is, and if there is something that, that, that takes our time away from God that we happen to be craving, God calls this an idol. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his what? His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. We are to seek Jesus first before anything else. This made me think, this made me think of uh, playing video games with our brother Brad. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter what game we would be playing. But if we're not coming in first place, he's not happy. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, he would always say, and I'll be like, man, you know, at least we got top three, man. And he'd be like, well, you know, second place is the first loser. <laughs> he, he would say, I want to be first, man. I don't care about being second or third. First is all that matters. You don't win second. You lose first. How about Jesus? <laughs> Man, how about Jesus? He doesn't want to be second in your life. He wants to be first and he wants to be number one, the number one spot in your life. And, and, and if, there's, if he's any less and you think it's okay, I'm sorry, but you're sadly mistaken because he will settle for nothing less than first in your life. Make Jesus first in your life. Now, now if you're not hungry for Christ, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I don't yearn for Jesus the way that it's being said. Well, maybe if you're not hungry for Christ and yearning for him, maybe it's because you're already full of something else. You know, maybe you're already filled. The world, the world finds anything they can to fill themselves up, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, even success or money. It, it could be acceptance or pride. And maybe you're not craving Jesus because there's something that's taken his place. Another great passage, John 4, 14. Jesus speaking here, but those who drank the water I give will never, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Mm, amen. Hallelujah. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to possess an active spiritual longing that never goes away. In John 4.14, Jesus is saying, take a drink. Take a drink. Take a drink of what he provides. And you'll never want what the world has to offer again. I know I can say that myself as a personal testimony. I was just the other day. Um, talking about, man, it's talking about, you know, my past. And it was like, you know what? I'm going to never stop talking about it because I don't want to forget it because I don't want to forget where God has brought me the freedom that was given to me from the cross. I don't want to never forget that. I don't want to never forget where I used to be my pit that I was in. I don't ever want to forget that. I want to always be able to say, man, oh man, if you knew me a decade or two ago, you, would, you wouldn't believe it. Most people don't. They see me and they're like, 
bro, there is something so different about you. Like you don't even look the same. Look, I was in, I was in drive through somewhere. Um, it was, it was about a month or two ago, ran into somebody that I haven't seen in over 10, 15 years. He didn't even recognize me. I mean, he was looking at me and he goes, man, I know you from somewhere. And I'm just sitting there smiling like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember you. And he was like, man, I don't remember you, but I, but I know you from somewhere. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden it hit him. And I said, what's, what's going on? What do I, what, why you didn't recognize? Me? He goes, man, you look so different. And I'm like, man. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Lord. The Lord changes you completely inside and out. Hallelujah. Glory to God for that. Glory to God. You know, the world will leave you parched and on the brink of starvation. But Jesus will satisfy your soul for eternity. For eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The servant who hungers and thirsts for righteousness is the same as the one who seeks God's kingdom first and his righteousness before and above everything else in their lives. This is the fruit that's produced from the first three beatitudes. And if, if you yourself eat this fruit, then I can guarantee you it will multiply in your life. And the rest of the beatitudes are sure to follow it. You know, in this study, I have came to a realization that the, the first beatitude being poor in spirit and then hungering and thirsting for righteousness are crucial and should be expounded upon, which is why I spent so much time on them more so than the others. It's they're, they're so important, but of course we must move along to ensure that this, this study is, uh, tonight is the, is the, is the third part. And you know, I, I, I if I don't, move on. I'm going to need at least two or three more Wednesdays. And if I said it's going to be a three-part series, then it's going to be a three-part series. Amen. I'm going to stick to my word. All right. Glory to God. <laughs> Cause I could make this like an eight part series. <laughs> oh, the fifth beatitude verse seven is blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. This one's good. Mercy is essentially the opposite of grace. Oh, it's so good. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Oof, that's, man, I could just stop right there. That is so powerful. That's, I mean, that's incredible. Mercy is God holding back what you deserve. Oh, which is why I, I this is why I keep saying that. You can't get to the latter beatitudes without going through the ones before them. Someone who is poor in spirit knows that they deserve hell. They know they don't deserve anything. And if they do, it ain't good. But see, first God, first God has shown us mercy. And in return, we are to show others mercy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit y'all with a doozy tonight that I know most of you probably aren't ready for. Because I can say myself, 
I wasn't ready for this when the Lord hit me with this, but to be merciful, to be merciful and show someone mercy is to do what you can to make sure that the person that hurts you never gets caught. Man, that's deep. That hits deep. That's mercy. That's true mercy. I mean, think about that. I mean, I, you know, you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. You can't. You can't. That's too deep. We immediately want to hit somebody back with something or, or, or turn it around on them or, or, or give them our peace of mind or, or do something else. But that, but that right there, somebody wrongs you and you do everything you can so that they don't get caught, that nobody knows that they hurt you. And you give it to the Lord, release it to the Lord and, and, and forgive that person. But that's mercy. That's showing mercy. That's the mercy that God has shown us. That's the same mercy that we have to show others. I mean, you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, that's the mercy of God. That, that, that's what he is looking for in all of us. Mercy refuses to point out and mercy never points a finger. So never, so mercy never points out, but, but it also picks up mm, the word mercy. It makes me think of the word relief, relief, seeing a need, having compassion and then doing something to aid or bring relief to a situation. It's not just softness. It's not just sentiment. But mercy is compassion in action. Mercy is compassion in action. The account, the account that, we, that we find in Luke 10 of the Good Samaritan where, where, where a Jewish man was attacked and left for dead on the side of the road. And it says that a priest and a temple assistant saw him laying there but kept on walking and passed right by. But then when the Samaritan saw him, he stopped and not only helped him up, but he cleaned up his wounds. He cleaned up his wounds and, and then put him on his donkey, took him to an inn and gave him money. Come on. That illustration was given to, uh, given to an expert in the law who Jesus was speaking with. This man asked Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And, and, and Jesus, Jesus replied saying, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself and that's when he asks jesus well who is my neighbor <sighs> now i believe in the world that there are three different kinds of people there are beater uppers there are passer uppers and then there's picker uppers and jesus said that blessed is he who is a picker upper mm. blessed is he who when mercy intervenes into someone's life, that they offer relief. Glory to God. 
So to add scripture that speaks on mercy, a couple good ones is Luke 6, 36, which says, therefore be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Hallelujah. And Lamentations tells us that through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. We deserve punishment for our sins. But because of God's riches, richness of mercy, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take our place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Next, we have verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is a good one. Well, they're all good. <laughs> what this isn't speaking of is sinless perfection. And, and, and we must all understand that. Um. The, de the definition of the Greek for this word pure or catharsis, it, it is to be clean, to remove dirt. Our hearts must be pure. Two things I, I want to point out. The number one is a pure heart is a heart that is undivided. The opposite of a pure heart is a divided heart. We see this in James 4, 8, which reads, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Earlier on in James, he, uh, he said how a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So a pure heart is undivided and has his GPS set on Christ with their eyes on the prize. Number two, a pure heart is a, is a heart that is, is made clean. And this can only be achieved by the blood of Jesus. There's no other way to obtain a pure heart that has been made clean. We find this in various scriptures throughout the Bible, but I like what it says in Hebrews 10:22. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. You know, the closer we get to the light, the more that dirt is exposed. It's like a, it's like a table with a lamp sitting on it. And, 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 you know, maybe that, maybe that lamp hasn't been turned on for months and you go over there and you turn the lamp on and you're going to find dust, probably an eighth, an eighth of an inch thick with filled with grime. The, the light exposes the dirt, same with Christ in us. The closer we get to Christ, the more and more we realize that we need him. 
The more our imperfections stand out, the more our sin is apparent to us. It, it will take us all the way back to the first two Beatitudes, becoming poor in spirit and mourning our sin. Next we have verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This is a huge character trait that we should all exhibit, but I'm afraid that most don't. I mean, I mean, you just go on Facebook and I guarantee you, you're going to see many Christians that are not peacemakers. <laughs> I mean, they are out there and they will attack you at the very second they see your post and it doesn't line up perfectly with their doctrine. Oh, better believe they're going to come at you. You're going to get flooded with messages. They're going to try to expose you to other people. And they're going to say, look at this false, false, false prophet. He's a false preacher preaching false doctrine. Man, that's not a peacemaker. That's I'm sorry, but that's not a peacemaker. You know, we, we shouldn't cause strife or conflict. We shouldn't be short fused or have attitudes with tempers flailing and yelling and letting our emotions get the best of us. Now I say it all the time, but we as Christians are representatives and ambassadors of the kingdom. We need to remember that at all times. So this demands that we take a look on the inside of ourselves and evaluate our actions to see if they are lining up with these beatitudes. These beatitudes on, on, a, on, a, on a real note, these beatitudes, it's saying that you as a Christian are made to be displayed. <sighs> you are made to be displayed. Why? Why? Because... When people see you, they say, wow, look at what they're going through. Look what's going on in their lives and look at them to just chill. They're calm. They're peaceful. They're relaxed. Somebody could come up, come up to you and be arguing with you and you just, you handle it calmly because you're peaceful. You're a peacemaker. You're filled with love and joy and that's what you give out. You know, often when when we get squeezed, when we get squeezed like an orange, like if you squeeze an orange, if apple juice comes out, you got a problem. So as a Christian, if we get squeezed, if anything comes out besides Jesus, we got a problem. I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, when some, when you get squeezed, meaning when you're pressed and somebody's breathing down your neck or something's happening or life is starting to get the best of you and you're, Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, uh, this and that. And it's like, that's not Jesus. I'm pretty sure Jesus was asleep in the boat. Like I, I talked about on Sunday, Jesus had his head on the pillow. He was all cozy probably snoring. I don't know if he snores, but point being is that he was peaceful. He had peace in the storm. Why? Because he knew that if he got on that boat, he knew that he was going to make it to the other side. Glory to God. 
We should have that same attitude about everything in our lives. Peace, peacemakers. You know, this out of all the Beatitudes, I believe that as the body of Christ, we have the most trouble with. I mean, whether, like I said before, it's doctrine, debating doctrine and arguments and, you know, the world's living in sin and, and, you know, has habits because of it. And we just want to, we just, you know, it's sometimes there's, there's some Christians that are so zealous, which amen to be zealous because praise the Lord, but you can take it to a level that it doesn't need to go. And, 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 you know, Jesus approaches everybody with love and I'm not saying to accept their sin, but I'm saying that there's a way to go about this. It kind of makes me, I, I remember going to like a haunted house back before I became a Christian. And I remember standing in line and there'd be that overzealous Christian with the, with, 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 with the, with the megaphone and be like, everybody needs to repent or you're going to hell if you go in there. And it's like, and I used to sit back and think like, man, nobody's, that's not, what are you doing? <laughs> like nobody's listening to you. I mean, and that makes me think of this because it's like, if I was to do that, I would think of like, well, maybe I should just walk up to people calmly in the line and minister to them one-on-one -on -one or as a group, and then maybe even hand out Bible tracts. I mean, that would probably be a better approach than to yell at them and to tell them they're going to hell. I mean, I'm just, I, I mean, we have to acknowledge this. I mean, it's, it, it's not being a peacemaker. I mean, we should warn the world of their wicked ways, and we should warn our brother and sister who are living in sin and we should rebuke false doctrine and, and, and false prophets, but, but we need to do it in love. I repeat, we need to do it in love. And I don't care about the situation or the circumstance. Everything, everything should be done in love with peace as a peacemaker. This is kingdom living. This is walking in the spirit. This is what it is to be a Christian. The next two beatitudes are what we should expect from being a Christian. They read, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then blessed are you when they rebel and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Hallelujah. You will be persecuted and falsely accused. Let me say that again. You will be persecuted and falsely accused. You will be. It's not, it's not a question. You will. It's just, it, it, it's going to happen. In 2 Timothy 3.12, it reads, yes. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, not might, not maybe, but will suffer persecution. 
And Jesus said in John 15, how you once belonged to the world and the world loved you then. But now, now that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, now that the old you is dead, you no longer belong to the world. And because of this, the world hates you. And Jesus goes on to say in John 15, verse 20, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. You know, I was just, uh, I was just talking to our brother yesterday about, about in, in, in our workplace and how this can take place. And, and, you know, especially my fellow blue, blue collar you know, working in a, working in a factory or a, or a plant, it's already a harsh environment. So when you start proclaiming the name of Jesus and preaching to people, they usually don't take too kindly to it, especially, especially if you got some zeal. <laughs> All right. I mean, you know, in the case where I, especially if you like, so when I first got my the last job that I was at I was working at a factory and when I started working there I I, I wasn't following Christ I mean at least not I I was I, I was a believer at that point and I was believing but I didn't understand how to live for God I, I had to be honest with you I hadn't received the revelation of Jesus Christ and him crucified yet I hadn't understood that this is where my faith needs to be in the blood of Jesus so I was there and, you know, when I first started, I was, I was smoking cigarettes and pot and, 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 you know, cussing and I, I was a totally different guy. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because it was like, I got the revelation. I understood, okay, now I put my faith in Christ in the cross. Okay. Things start happening within me. I mean, I'm talking about big changes within me. The, the, all of a sudden I say a bad word because it's habit at this point. I've talked like that my whole life. And now I say a bad word and it makes me feel bad on the inside. And it's like, huh, that was weird. That hurt. Why'd that hurt? And then, you know, the Lord brought me to scripture that qualified that. Well, you're not supposed to talk like that. And I was like, oh. Okay, so then, boom, that went away. Cigarettes went away. You know, everything started, started you know, trickling off. And, and, and then I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I experienced this while I was welding in this factory. And, and let me tell you, after that, it was over. Like, that whole place, they knew who Jesus was. <laughs> They knew, trust me. Okay. I didn't care if you didn't want to hear it because I didn't, you know, I didn't know to be honest about being a peacemaker. I was like, I was that guy <laughs> at the haunted house at that time in my life. I was like, y'all need to accept Jesus into your heart right now. The world could end, man. Jesus would come back and you'd be left here. 
And, and don't get me wrong. And I'll tell them, like, man, y'all can go to hell if you die. Like, it's that serious. And I was, I was very serious with a lot of zeal. But, man, man, the Holy Ghost, when I got baptized, the Holy Ghost gave me a fire, put a fire up under me. I was running around, Jesus, telling everybody about Jesus. And then, you know, they, they, they would, they, and they always did this. But now it was different when they would, when they would say, they would, and I would, I would never fall for it, but they would say, oh, uh, one of the, one of the office ladies would walk by and the high low driver and, and the other welders and, and they would all be checking out the lady, you know, and they'd be like, Hey, Greg, cause they knew I'm a Christian. They knew someone to see says why you're made to be displayed. And I would be like, and I would, they'd be like, hey, look. And I'd look and be like, man, y'all are, what are you doing? And eventually it got to a point where the Lord led me to minister to them and to speak truth into them. Say, hey, don't you got a wife? Don't you got a wife at home? Don't you have a wife? And what you're doing is wrong, man. What you're doing is wrong. You know, Jesus tells us that if we look on another woman with lust, then, then we've actually committed adultery within our hearts with that woman. And you know, that's something that, that they didn't want to hear that. I mean, that really, really upset them because now, now they're convicted. Now they're like, Oh no, man. No, man. I don't believe that. So look, I got out my phone, pulled out the Bible <laughs> I, hey, I had to, I had to pulled out the Bible and read them the scripture. I read them Matthew 5, 28, which says, whoever looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her and their heart. You know, I, I, I did, I was very zealous at that time in my life, but when I did this, it was from the Lord. And I, I did approach them with love. And, and, and it's, it's funny because quite a few of them, they wouldn't talk to me for weeks and weeks. They just would alienate me and try to make me feel like, oh, I'm, you know, an outcast, which, hey, amen. Uh, we are, right? <laughs> we're, we're, we're living in the world. We're not of the world. We're living in the world. We got to be here for a short period of time, but we're only passing through in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm praying for the rapture. Lord, come back. Take us home. Let the sky open up. Glory to God. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go home. You know, but eventually, one by one, they started coming to me and apologizing. Saying, man, you know, I've been thinking about... uh what you said a few weeks ago, man, I didn't mean to treat you no type of way, man. We still cool, right? <laughs> I ain't never have a problem with you, man. Like the Lord has them apologizing to me. And I'm like, you wouldn't upset me. I mean, you upset him. He doesn't like that. But I mean, hey, man. You know, I'm just a vessel. I'm just here to be used to deliver a word from the Lord. And he told me, put it on my heart to tell you. 
you know, my, my point is, is that you will get made fun of for following Christ. You, you will be mocked for proclaiming the name of Jesus wherever you're at. I used, they used to snicker at the, at the time clock, laughing, giggling. And I would hear them. I, I would hear them, you know, talking amongst themselves and talking about how, you know, I'm a Jesus freak and, and this and that. And, oh, 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 don't look at her and blah, blah, blah. And just all this stuff. And it was just like, man, I just, you know what? I'm an ambassador for the kingdom of God. I'm here to not represent Greg, not Greg Garris, but I'm here to represent Jesus Christ. I'm not here to save my face, but I'm here to show his. I'm here so that I could be used as a vessel of light in a dark place, in a dark world. This is why we are here to be used as vessels of light. And you know what? It's going to bring about persecution. It's going to bring about hate that may come your way in your inbox, in wh wherever. You can make emails about it because I have got messages on Xbox because of Jesus, okay? Because I'm, I'm preaching Jesus wherever I go, wherever I come in the con I don't care who you are. We talking about Jesus, amen? Because he saved my life. He saved my life. I should not be here right now. And the fact that I'm able to speak to you in, in full sentences is an absolute miracle from God. Because the amount of drugs that I did, I should be brain dead. But yet God kept me. God's hand was over me, protecting me. He said, no, I got a mission for you, son. I got a mission for you. And you know what? I'm not going to stop. The devil can huff and puff, but he can't blow it down. That is so good. That is so true. And we got to remember this, that we all have a mission here. We all have something to do. We are supposed to do. And you know what? Your life, if you are sitting here right now, you are called by God. You are called. You over the live stream. You are called by God, by almighty God. He has a mission for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm. You will be persecuted. You will be persecuted. But, but that's not in vain because as the scripture reads out, Jesus says, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. And in verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He said, great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. Matthew 6, 20 through 21 says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. This is fundamental when it comes to being a Christian. We often put, put too much value in things here on earth, but Jesus tells us to do the opposite and store our treasures in heaven. And, and then says that where our treasures is shows the desires that are within our hearts. This is profound in self-examination and it must be the lens of perception 
that when we when we're looking at ourselves within our own hearts we need to be asking ourselves where is my treasure is my treasure here on earth or is it in heaven is it your love for things? Is it your bank account filling, piling up with money and savings? Is your, is your love for cars or, or video games? Hello? Is your love for relationship with friends or significant others? Or I could ask the question, above all, anyone or anything, who has your heart? Who has your heart? And you could say, you love the Lord with all your heart. You could, you could say that, but still be only giving him a small percentage of it. It's not loving the Lord God with all your heart. He wants all of you with no exception. Now this study of the Beatitudes has shown me many things. And most importantly, it is... Uh, made me look deep within myself and examine my own heart. I've, I've shed many tears. I'll be transparent and repented many times throughout this study because it has revealed areas within myself that I need to let go and let God in. As I close tonight, uh, I want to, I want to read something that I wrote more so to myself journaling, but the Lord has put this on my heart to share with all of you tonight. It says, it is the realization of my sin and that I have nothing else. It is me, my sin and what my sin does to God. We need to be constantly reminding ourselves of how much our sins go against God, cost and hurt his heart. I will constantly think of the cross and not as a symbol, not as wooden beams, but as a way of remembering what Jesus went through for me. So that I would be grieved by the very thing that my flesh desires. My heart wants what God hates. And because of this, I am torn in two. Spiritually bankrupt and broken. With tears streaming down my face. The condition of my heart covered in corrosion. And desiring what the world has to offer while ignoring the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The inability to do anything worthwhile or praiseworthy. Every achievement I have made outside of the will of God is nothing but a waste and in vain. The fact that I have contributed absolutely nothing towards my salvation and never will has humbled me to my knees absolutely helpless and in dire need of saving 
I am worthless and deserve to be thrown into a pit of agony for all of eternity. For the life I have lived and sins that I have committed. I don't deserve anything that I have. I don't deserve to even have the breath that is in my lungs. But yet, God still fills them with air. God still breathes life into me. God still wakes me up day by day. God still chooses to love me despite the dirt underneath my fingernails and mud on my knees from trying to climb out of my pit. God still holds his hand out, offering me a way out of what I got myself into. The mind-blowing truth is that God still has chosen to show me mercy by not giving me what I deserve, which is eternity in hell, but instead has blessed me with so much grace that the stains melt off of me as I am rinsed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Our condition should never be forgotten. And we should always be in a state of mourning our sins. It is then when we truly acknowledge that we must not go on without God. Not a single day, not a breath without giving him glory. It is a life that has been given to us by him and for him and not of ourselves. So tonight... To end this study on the Beatitudes, I just want to encourage all of us to go back and 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 watch this study, take notes, and 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 please, if you take anything from this, remember to be bankrupt with nothing to offer God. Never leave that place broken over sin, yielding to the hand of God yearning for Christ, living consecrated unto the Lord. And if you stay in that place, God has promised you treasures stored up in heaven. And as the scripture says, he has also promised you a blessed life.